Sorry about that. A couple years ago, I was driving to the grocery store, idly flipping between radio stations, and I heard the following words. Sometimes a certain smell will take me back to when I was young. How come I'm never able to identify where it's coming from? I heard that and I just pounded on the steering wheel and I said, yes, yes, that's exactly right. It's a great feeling when something you hear resonates with your own experience and deeply, deeply too, like, like, Someone's striking a bell in your soul. And I think that's one of the functions of art. You read a description or you look at a painting or especially, like I did, you hear a song and your soul says, yes, this is true. Now, what the heck do I know, right? I mean, I'm probably wrong, but whenever this happens, I feel this this connection with the artist. And, you know, you look around and, and people think they're isolated and people think they're different. Just because we look a little different and we act a little different, but but we're not. But we're not. And every time this happens, I'm reminded that when you get right down to what matters. People are pretty much the same in a really good way. It's just hard sometimes to to remember this truth. Anyways, I was reading a book or trying to read a book on the collapse of the Soviet Union. The author lays down four stages to describe this this process. In the first stage, nothing can possibly change forever. The Soviet state is all that's known. And the people act out Soviet rituals without, without any engagement, without any belief. They just go through the motions by rote. They, they're trying to stay safe, and so they elevate the form over reality. But as a result, everything starts to reference everything else. No one's willing to step out of line, and so everything becomes the same. Films all look the same, art all looks the same, posters all look the same, even language, even the words used in discussion all become the same. There's no deviation. Everything becomes soulless. It's a, it's a sort of um, paint by numbers. And, and he calls this hypernormalization. And I think, again, under this first stage, people are very isolated. There's no connection. But the second stage is a break of consciousness or a stunning shock. And Often this would happen when someone read something that they could not believe was allowed to be published. And often what they were reading wasn't allowed to be published. It was something called Sami's Dot. It would be 
a publication that was hand-copied, secretly passed from hand to hand. But reading this material created an enormous hunger for new material. It was as, it was as if they, they had been starved for a whole winter, for their entire lives, and for the first time were being given real food. Now, the third stage he describes is excitement. Again, it's as if they were hibernating their whole lives, and now spring has come, and they're filled with energy. And then the fourth stage is readiness to participate. Excitement channels into action, and people are ready to put the truth that they've learned into the world. And this truth is as if they'd been given new eyes. They've learned things that had been kept for them, from them their entire lives. I mean, they had been in hell, and they, and they didn't even know it. And when I was reading this description, it reminded me of what Eric Weinstein has termed the intellectual dark web. Now, this is just a terrible term <laughs> for all sorts of reasons. But I think he's capturing something important because when I hear certain ideas from a Jordan Peterson or a Brett Weinstein or a Camille Paglia or a Sam Harris or a Jonathan Haidt, I get that same deep sense of connection and truth that I did when I heard the 21 Pilot song. And I think it's the same sense that people in the Soviet Union got when they were reading Sami's Dot. I want to play one clip just to give you a sense of what I'm talking about. I was thinking about St. Joseph's Oratorio in Montreal. And St. Joseph's Oratorio is a very large religious building. It's one of the biggest cathedral-like structures in the world. And it's set on the hill on Mount, Mount Royal, and it's set up where it can catch the sun. You know, so it's an image of the heavenly city on the hill, right? It's an image of the structures that we strive to create. That's what it is, in, independent of its specifically Christian or religious function. That's what it stands for symbolically. Okay, so it's the city on the hill. It's, it's what we're striving towards when we walk uphill in life. Okay, now, the way the, the, the oratorio is structured, there's hundreds of steps leading to it up the front. And in the early part of the 20th century, a lot of people who had physical disabilities came there, and they struggled up the step on their crutches, and many of them left their crutches in the oratorio. You can see hundreds of them if you go there. It's quite an interesting sight. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about what that meant, and this is what it means. It means that, you know, everyone has their disabilities, let's say, and I know that some people are far more terribly affected than other people. I'm perfectly aware of that. But the question is, what do you do about that? And what you do is you, you set yourself up on your damn crutches and you struggle up the bloody hill. That's what you do. And you struggle up the hill towards the kingdom of God. That's what you do. Because the alternative is to descend into the abyss. That's the alternative. And then so to say, well, do you believe? It's like, I believe that you should struggle uphill towards the city of God on your crutches. That's what you should do. That's the opposite of the descent into the abyss. And so that's, that's at the foundation of our civilization, that idea. Well, argue with it if you will. Argue with it if you will. 
he says, I think that's the key. Because the noise you heard while Jordan Peterson was talking was protesters banging on the windows trying to silence him. Just like the Communist Party tried to silence the ideas that were passed around in the Sami's dot of the Soviet Union. And many publications in traditional media are taking the same approach. Because they disagree with the ideas, they attack the person. They don't try to argue on the basis of the idea. And they should. Hooray for disagreements. Disagreements are, are wonderful. Disagreements are how we test ideas. Disagreements are how we improve ideas. Disagreements are how we make the world better. Agreeing, when you agree with everything someone says, that is insanely boring. That's the monoculture of the Soviet Union. Disagreement, now, that's exciting. Disagreement is exhilarating. When I see these ideas of the intellectual Samizdat catching on, when I see the way they connect with people, the way people respond to these ideas, that makes me very excited. It makes me very hopeful. Anyways, I have to bail, but I'll catch you later.